Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sarah Wilson, and this is Wild a show where we talk with the biggest minds in the world about the ideas that can help us love and save our one wild and precious life together on this planet. Hi, everyone. Here's an episode I recorded with the UK podcast, A Life More Wild, in which I talk hiking while hiking in the Chilterns outside London. It was so beautifully produced by the Sordes Group, who produce all those awesome international hiking guides, that I felt I should showcase it here on Wild as a bonus episode. I basically talk through all of my theories on the whys and hows of how hiking helps to calm anxiety. Hope you enjoy it, and uh, we'll be resuming normal proceedings, the usual Wild format, next week. I'll catch you then. Sarah Wilson is always on the move. Her work as an author, presenter and speaker takes her all over the world. In the course of her wandering, she's learned a couple of things. How to ground yourself in a new place by hiking. How getting people to love something is how you get them to fight for it. And how long is too long to wear the same pair of shorts. I sometimes wonder why I do it, you know, and um, it really is to provide an alternative image of how you can live your life. My images of me popping up around the world hiking, wearing exactly the same clothes. I wear the same clothes. I mean, the T-shirt I'm wearing, I bought this probably seven years ago. I did have a pair of shorts, one pair of green shorts for 11 years, and I was... I was known for these green shorts. People would spot me in the street based on these shorts until I became too obscene. And a staff member had to come and take them from my house and actually get rid of them. They put them in a frame. I'm Chris from Canopy and Stars, and this is A Life More Wild. Join Sarah now as she tries our walk in the Chilterns and talks about how nature helped her through anxiety and how it can be the path we all need to follow. So 
I've been travelling the world for about 15 years with my work, living out of mostly one backpack. Um, it ebbs and flows according to my needs. But wherever I go, wherever I land, I, um, I get out the apps and I have a look to see what kind of hikes are in the area. So today um, I've got to do a, a book event. <laughs> and so I figure I'll max the situation and do a hike in the area. And I just see what's around. And I found this hike that I've wanted to do for a while um, and it goes around Ellisborough and Chequers Court which I understand is one of the houses for the Prime Minister. Um, I'm interested to see that but what I like about it, it's circular. You start and there's no going back. <laughs> Especially if you get halfway you might as well keep going uh, because it's just as long to walk back the other way. Uh, so I, and I like that sense of a journey. M my favourite is a point-to-point particularly where it, you, know, you get off at a train station and then you walk to another train station. There's this wonderful sense of completeness. And um, around the world I've found websites and apps where they you know, specialise in point-to-point in -point train, train hikes. Um, so they're my, that's my absolute favourite. Actually, my absolute favourite is pub-to-pub -pub walks where I can stay overnight and I have spent inordinate amounts of time researching best pub-to-pub -pub hikes around the world, many of which do exist here in the UK. So I've probably done about three or four in my time, but I've never been to this area, to the Chilterns. Um, I think it's called an area of outstanding natural beauty, which I think is a drawcard in and of itself. Um, that's sort of the ideal scenario, pub-to-pub, pub me along the way if it's a day hike and um, it makes a real excursion of things. Morning. <laughs> I have done, I would say Literally, I hate using that word, but hundreds of hikes around the world. So Jordan was wonderful, um, just sort of crisscrossing across Wadi Rum with a Bedouin shepherd for, for five days, and it was mostly just for his jokes. Um, it was, and I just love the desert. I love being in barren landscapes where there's this sort of crunchy realness where you have to go and dig deep into... So some, a different type of reservoir of um, patience and, uh, and discomfort with the heat and, and thirst at times. Um, feels very original. Uh, I've done a fair bit of hiking across the Australian desert and there is nothing like sleeping, you know, on the ground under the stars. Um, again, it sort of just feels so original. I, so much about hiking is about finding congruence being out in nature a lot of people say they feel like they belong and they they feel this sort of you know feelings like awe and so on and there's so much science now that explains why that is the case so one little study that I really like is the idea of um so much in nature involves fractals these repeated patterns so the petals in a flower the sort of the concentric circles uh, in a tidal pool tree trunks, fern fronds, these beautiful repeated patterns and our retinas also work to fractals and when we see these patternings in nature there's this congruence that happens in our brain 
where there's a match-up and that creates this wonderful spontaneous sense of belonging. Um, there's countless studies like that but that one I think is really lovely. such a beautiful time of year to be doing this because the flowers are still out and everything is so green and there's you know this warmth coming out of the earth um and so yeah it just it feels very very alive um it's so interesting you know coming from Australia where there's this massive expanse and the horizon is unfathomably far away especially if you get up with some height um but in the UK everything's you know brought in closer you know the fields are smaller um it's sort of like it's like a tapestry you know of of all different layers and details and um it's 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 that kind of contrast is wonderful. I love sort of experiencing different types of horizons in different countries that I go to. Um, but always I have to get up high. You know, I, I want to see where I've come from and I want perspective, always. Walking in nature, if we want to reduce it to that, has been a little bit of a just a really intuitive coping mechanism for what has been a lifelong uh, journey with with anxiety. So um, I remember my 21st birthday, I dragged my friends up a mountain and that seemed like a completely normal thing to do. But um, yeah, just to sit up there and and uh, watch the sunset, that was my 21st but since then, uh, I've travelled a lot since I was 18 and, and really I travel to hike, to see the world on foot, go to villages that maybe a lot of people wouldn't get to. I use hiking as a way to, you know, for transport. Um, and it's my way, yeah, of, just, of seeing the world. Um, so I travel to hike and I hike when I'm, you know, to travel. I did a bunch of hikes over a three-year period um, following the footsteps of philosophers and poets and scientists who were trying to navigate a way to live in a world that was, you know, turned upside down for various reasons, you know, from industrial period or from wars and so on, uh, for my latest book, uh, This One Wild and Precious Life. And so there's a few that I did there that really felt like a wonderful excursion because I was absorbing the mindset of these wonderful writers. So whether it was Nietzsche, Wordsworth up in the, uh, the Lake District. Um, but I did an awesome one from St Ives to Penzance along the pirate sort of trail along the coast there. And that was a classic pub-to-pub one, really wonderful pubs along the way. I would say that when I head out for a hike, mostly I, well, often I have a problem I'm wanting to solve so, you know, I, I used to do this um, when I was a kid, you know, if I was stuck on a maths problem, I used to be obsessed by maths, I would head off and walk and by the time I came back, I would be able to solve it, if not having had solved it already. And this is something that 
writers and philosophers and poets have done for years. Nietzsche used to walk with a piece of paper and a pencil stuffed into the top of his walking stick um, and he'd pull it out and write down his thoughts as he went. And a lot of thinkers and writers have, have done the same thing. Um, I use voice notes <laughs> as I'm walking along to track um, my thoughts because there's this incredible opening that comes about from walking. But the different landscapes will also dictate different feelings. Um, deserts will get me extremely expansive and and I go deep into deep into sort of the point of life. Um, mountains will get me quite euphoric um, and often I have to dance back down the mountain. You know, I quite love that feeling of having achieved something and then you're, you're descending again with something, having, having worked something out um, along the way. I think from having fairly severe anxiety over the years, nature has been my grounding you know it's kept me very grounded and you know I developed bipolar disorder which was called manic depression before there was much information on it and much understanding other than to give you you know really intense medication which I was on for for a lot of my 20s and I think I naturally had to form ways of coping um, you know through intuition and going into nature just worked it just gradually evolved that way and you know it's been a big part of my journey to work out why and how you know I don't want to just accept my feelings around it you know we live in a world where we need proof uh, so that's been a big part of it but as I've delved into where the world's at at the moment with all the kinds of fragmentation the climate crisis nuclear threat pandemics you know uh, everything that's going on, which is the basis of my book. My book was about going on a journey to find a path through it. And what was funny was as I was writing the book, I was getting very overwhelmed. I was feeling everything that so many people are feeling about this topic or all the topics, all the things. And to cope, I would take off to go and hike, to be able to process my thoughts and calm down and get perspective on what really mattered. And and it was through that that I suddenly realised, and there's a bit in my book where I actually describe the moment when it happened, when I went, oh my God, this is the path. Because when we love something hard enough, we will fight to save it. There's all those wonderful stories of the 50 kilo woman who can lift a car off her child, you know, and stories of sporting teams that are the underdog and they're, they're the losing side and there's 30 seconds before the siren and they come out of nowhere with this kamikaze energy because, you know, they want to they want to win this. You know, they're sick of being the underdog. Um, so human nature has that capacity, and I think that when we go into nature, we get that feeling of congruence, that sense of belonging, the attunement that we're part of a flow, we're part of something bigger. We feel held. We don't feel so alone. Um, things make sense, and then we want to fight to save to save this one wild and precious life. And so that, that became the through line for me. It was the through line for my own personal journey with anxiety and, and despair. And then I realised it can become the through line for, for everything, really. I 
quite love the rhythm of these and the noise that it makes as it opens and closes. I do love it when a bird or a dragonfly or a butterfly follows you for a bit. You can sort of almost feel a curiosity. I don't know if I'm making it up, but um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cute. Ah, uh, look, along the way, this ridiculous journey I've been on for really 15 years to try to work out what it's all about. Um, I've met some incredible people. His Holiness the Dalai Lama was one such. I remember I sat down once to interview him and I was told, you know, one question only because he likes to talk um, and he'll rabble on and they weren't half right. Um, so my question was really one that I think a lot of us ask and a lot of us ask it, it's essentially this, how do we stop our mind from chattering? How can we calm the mind? And at the time, I remember this just, you know, drove me mad. You know, I don't sleep. I, I, I'm distracted by my thoughts. Anyway, his answer was, ah, don't bother. Don't bother. And I sort of looked at him and he said, there's better things to do. He said, I could perhaps sit in a cave on the top of a mountain and meditate for two, three years and perfect it. And, you know, he said, but what's the point? He said, I've got, and he used the word altruism. He said, I've got altruistic work to do. And then he rattled off what he'd done. He'd just been in Japan. He'd spoken to 3,000 people. He'd been, you know, somewhere else in the world. And he said, we are better being in action. And he said, he actually said, it's a waste of time. He said, sure, meditate, but, but come out into the world and do good work. And at the time, I was kind of disappointed with his answer. And then I realized his answer was exactly what people in the West need to hear. You know, I write about this idea of spiritual materialism in, in my book. We, we think that if we go and sit in lotus position and go to yoga and go to sound bath sessions, that that's going to fix things. And we've got obsessed by this going inwards and looking after ourselves, self-care. That's not what the world needs right now. And it's not what we need. We need to engage in collective action and we need to come together and heal that aloneness that we're feeling. Okay, so we're just coming through just sort of a shaded bit and there's a big field and what do you know, a whopping great mansion. <laughs> I'm guessing that is Checkers. Uh, yeah, for sure. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's Checkers, the country residence of the Prime Minister. I don't know how lived in it would be. Pretty nice spot. He's got a lot of sunshine going on there. Um, he'd be protected from the wind and a lot of curious tourists get to walk around the edges of the estate. Uh, this path actually winds its way around the property. Um, it sort of goes along this little bridle path and then back down to where we started. A lot of people ask me, you know, um, what's your favourite hike? And my answer is the next one, because I have not had a bad one. You know, it can be pelting down with rain. It can be snowing. It can be like sideways, just wind that, you know, blows me off the path and I will still have a fabulous time. So I kind of like that 
testing of the unknownness, testing of uncertainty. In many ways, hiking is a way of building resilience for real life, for the rest of life. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a fairly direct metaphor, you know. If you can go into a scenario and accept whatever situation is going to come about and knowing that it will be an adventure, you know. Um, my dear friend Tim taught me this phrase, you know, Sarah, keep the camera rolling, which is to say, just go and see what happens next. You know, the story hasn't finished. And hiking is is so much about that one foot in front of the other, right from, you know, planning out the hike, is you, you get there, you see what happens, you look, there'll always be a hike to do wherever you are in the world. And if you take the attitude that it doesn't really matter how perfect it is, you know it'll it'll unfurl as it needs to and the thing about hiking is you just start you just start and you start walking and the magic um you know does its job on you so you just start walking even if it's 20 minutes and you know I've looked into the studies on this there's been 40 to 45,000 studies that have been done on the benefits of walking in nature hiking mostly done out of Japan and South Korea where they take this stuff really seriously and hiking is part of their their uh, health policies um, but yeah mostly um, it's just being out there in nature seeing the patternings putting one foot in front of the other hi, hi good morning it naturally just does its job on your physiology, on your mental health, on the connections that go on in your brain, the prefrontal cortex. And, um, yeah, it's, it's actually a real relief to know you don't have to do much more than that other than just start walking. Very appropriately, we finish Series 3 of Life More Wild with that simple message. Just start walking. You might be amazed at the benefits it brings you, those around you, and even the planet. So that's it for Series 3 of Life More Wild. We'd like to say a massive thank you to everyone who's taken us walking over the past few months, and we hope you've enjoyed the company of astrophysicists, wild swimmers, activists, and more. We'll be back next year. But in the meantime, you can always revisit Series 1 and 2 or follow us on Instagram to see what we get up to at Canopy and Stars when we're not wandering about outside. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you for Series 4 of Life More Wild.